to Proverbs 910 Ministries podcast, No Trash, Just Truth. We're your hosts and co-founders of Proverbs 910 Ministries, Rose Spiller and Chris Paxson. Continuing on in our Women in Scripture series, today we're going to finish taking a look at the woman from the Bible that, like we said last week, many women may not want to hear any more about at all, ever. And that's the Proverbs 31 woman, otherwise known as a wife of noble character or the virtuous woman or some other names. And like we also said last week, if that makes you want to turn off the podcast right now, don't. We think you may be surprised at some of the things we learn about this passage. Yeah, we think you might. And we think you might actually learn to love this passage again. Hopefully. And to review a bit from last week, we took a look at Proverbs 31 and we gave a lot of good arguments of why this proverb and this woman is really to be read as being about the perfected church, the bride of Christ doing what she's supposed to be doing, which is ultimately glorifying God. Yeah, and like we said, there is a lot to point us to that. But like we also said in our last episode, it's not the only explanation to the normal one we're used to hearing. It's not. So let's dive into the other ones. Why don't we start by reading it again this week, Rose? Okay, Proverbs 31. The sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. Listen, my son, listen, son of my womb, listen, my son, the answer to my prayers. Do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. It's not for kings, Lemuel, it's not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed, and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Let beer be for those who are perishing, wine for those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Epilogue, the wife of noble character. A wife of noble character, who can find her? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing in value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night and provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. 
You know, Chris, last week when we talked about this proverb being about the church, it got me thinking about the last couple of verses here that say, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. If this is truly about the church, there's a lot of churches in trouble right now. There are. You know, I never thought about that, Rose. I mean, that's a great point to make. There are a lot of churches that are trying to be uh, beautiful and, and look good to the world, but if this is the church, they're in trouble. They are, because they're certainly not fearing the Lord if they're worrying about being relevant and beautiful. Absolutely, and we know there are a ton that are doing that. So let's delve into the other possibilities, though. If this isn't the church, what other possibilities might the Proverbs 31 verses 10 to 31 be talking about? Other than, like we said, the typical idea of the stay-at-home wife and mother who also has a side business. So what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, the Proverbs are not law, they're wisdom. And they're not a moral checklist for us. And we don't pull out a proverb and say, do this so that you will be a wise man. That's not how to read Proverbs. If we read them wrong, what we see, and in this case in Proverbs 31, is do these things so you will be a Proverbs 31 woman. That's great. I mean, that's a great point. We need to know the difference between indicatives and imperatives. Let me explain what I mean. Indicatives indicate what something is. They're descriptive. An imperative is a go-do statement telling us something to do. And we see this in Ephesians, for instance. Paul gives us indicatives. He lays out who we are in Christ, describing us. We're God's chosen people, raised from our dead sinful state and being made alive with Christ. Then in chapter 5 of Ephesians, we get the imperatives telling us what to do in light of who we are. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Chris, we see indicatives and imperatives over and over in Scripture. Yeah, we do. And looking at this proverb, the one thing we want to point out about chapter 31 is that all of it is addressed to a man. Absolutely. The complete thing is addressed to a man. Which is why we read the first nine verses. Right. And the first nine verses is King Lemuel's mother's advice to him, which is full of indicatives and imperatives like you were just describing. These are the words of King Lemuel's mother, the queen, saying, You are my son. You're a king. This is who you are. Therefore, don't spend your strength on women. Don't get drunk on wine, etc. Exactly. And this virtuous woman section of Proverbs 31 is indicative. They're describing to us what the virtuous woman is like. It's a description. It's not a to-do list. This is not a list of virtues given to women for them to try to do, or in other words, to try to live up to, in order to be the perfect wife and mother. Chris, so if this isn't a to-do list for women, let's take a look at another possibility that the Proverbs 31 woman is a picture of Lady Wisdom. Yeah, let's do that. But let's first explain who Lady Wisdom is. So, like we always say, interpret Scripture with Scripture. So let's go back to chapter 1 where we meet Lady Wisdom. And if you remember from last week, Proverbs is written as if a father is speaking to a son, instructing him. Yeah, and in chapter 1, the father is explaining that there are two groups of people, those who fear the Lord and fools. We know this is talking about those who are saved and those who are not by some of the wording they use. Victor's chaplet of grace upon your head alludes to another pla- other places in scripture as the victor's crown of righteousness or the victor's crown of life in James 1-2. And there are lots of other places. 
But then Proverbs chapter 1 introduces us to a second group of people, unrighteous sinners. And there are two different paths that they take. There are. The righteous follow Lady Wisdom, who we're introduced to in verse 20, which is wisdom personified as a woman. And the sinners reject Lady Wisdom, and they follow Lady Folly. And she isn't named until chapter 9, but she's present through the first nine chapters as the adulteress, the evil woman, and the forbidden woman. And just like Jesus pointed out through the Gospels, there were two groups of people, the wise and the foolish, the sheep and the goats, the saved and the unsaved, and that there were two paths, the wide gate and the narrow gate, that these two groups of people could take. So there are two groups of people and two paths, and they're contrasted in Proverbs. Exactly. So getting back to the Proverbs 31 woman, possibly being a picture of Lady Wisdom from chapter 1, what's the rationale for thinking that? Well, the book begins with Lady Wisdom, and it ends with the wife of noble character, and they're very similar to one another. And many commentators say the reader should identify them with one another. Let me give you a list of the ways they're similar, and I got this from BibleOdyssey.org. Both women are difficult to find and are more precious than jewels. Both women have a house and a staff and a life of security. Both women have servant girls. Both women provide food. Their fruit is valuable. Both women are known at the city gates, and they bring honor to their companions. Both are physically strong, and they despise wickedness. Both reach out to the needy. They both laugh. Both women teach, and their instruction is always associated with fear of the Lord. That's a lot of similarities. I can see why many commentators say the wife of noble character is really a picture of Lady Wisdom, which is summed up at the end to close out the book of Proverbs. Not only are there similarities between Proverbs 31 woman and Lady Wisdom, but just like Lady Wisdom, the Proverbs 31 woman is the exact opposite of Lady Folly. That's true. Lady Folly is a sluggard, she's wayward, and Proverbs 9.13 says she knows nothing. She's dumb. That's definitely not the Proverbs 31 woman described. No, it isn't. Now that we've laid that out there, what other possibilities are there for what the last 21 verses of the book of Proverbs really is, Chris? How about this? An epilogue and nothing more than that. Hmm. Some versions of the Bible have a heading before verses 10 to 31, which says epilogue. That's a closing summary of a literary passage or the ending of a play summing it all up. One of mine does have that heading, and it could be that she's just an epilogue, the closing summary of the book. But there's still some more ideas about what those last verses of the book are. One of those is that she is what Lady Wisdom looks like when she's actually lived out. So what you mean is it's showing us the practical application of the wisdom found throughout the rest of the book of Proverbs? Yep, and it makes sense. This is a person of good character. She's not lazy. She's strong. She brings good to people, not harm, etc. That does make a lot of sense. So to sum it up, the whole section is looked at by many as just a summary of the rest of the book of Proverbs or the section showing the practical application of the book of Proverbs. You got it. And that's not all. Some commentators believe that the writer was using another literary device here called inclusio. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the literary structure of inclusio, it means that there's two bookends and that everything in the middle of the two bookends has to do with what the bookends are about. 
So you, what you're saying is that at the beginning of the whole book, there's praise for the pursuit of wisdom. And here at the end, the king is being told by his mother to pursue wisdom. Exactly. And so that gives us another possibility of what the writer of the book of Proverbs was doing here. Something other than giving women an impossible task list that they're supposed to try to live up to. And in turn, not giving a man a way to measure all the women he might possibly consider marrying, trying to find the perfect one. You know, Rose, if he looks for one that fits this bill perfectly, he'll never find one. No, he definitely won't. That would be tantamount to a woman trying to find a husband that's just like Jesus. That's a good point, and we know that's not going to happen. No. If the Proverbs 31 woman really is any of what we talked about, a literary device used to sum up the whole book of Proverbs, the personification of wisdom summed up, the practical application of wisdom, just an epilogue, or the writer's use of inclusio, or like we said yesterday, a picture of the sanctified church, and not what it's sometimes portrayed as, maybe women can start to love this passage again. I hope they can. And Chris, there's probably one more thing we should address here. What if this section of the Bible, the Proverbs 31 woman, isn't any of the things we said? What if it really is a picture of what a Christian wife should be? Well, Rose, everything about her is noble and wise and good. And we should all desire to be like that in every way. We should pray to be like that in every way. All Christians should. If that's the case, that this is a picture for women to look at in order to see what a godly wife and mother looks like, it doesn't take away from the fact that this has been preached horribly by some pastors. And it it doesn't take away the fact that women have been made feel condemned by the way this has been preached sometimes, or the way it's been used to manipulate women some of the time. No, it doesn't at all. You know... I did hear one pastor say something that was pretty funny, and it was true about the Proverbs 31 woman. What was that? He said that she was definitely wise, probably theologically knowledgeable too. And he said that she would hate the Christian bookstore shelves that are for women. (laughs) I'd say I'd agree with her and the pastor, and I know you would too. You know I would, because I I hate that women's stuff, most of it that's out there. There's too much fluff, and it's too much emotion-based crap. Totally. They have dumbed women down for the last 50 years of women's Bible studies. They certainly have. You know, Chris, I'd also agree with Ian DeGood, who said that women have been made to feel like they should become the 1950s model housewife, like the Proverbs 31 woman, and that's wrong, too. Yep. The Proverbs 31 woman was not that. She's too busy to be, for one thing. She was. There's a lot that could be said in opposition to some of the wrong ways this has been preached by some pastors. There is, and we can't go into all that because of time. I hope we shed some more light on this passage, and that encourages all of you who haven't been blessed by it to take a closer look at the passage and give it another chance. I hope so, too. And one more thing that's important to say, and that you and I say all the time, Rose, and that is our standard from any part of the Bible is not the person in the story. It's not David, it's not Ruth, it's not Esther, and it's not the Proverbs 31 woman either. Our only standard from the Bible ever is to be Jesus. He is perfect, and we are miserable failures who could never be good enough to save ourselves. And the point of the gospel is that we can't, so we need him. I will give that a wholehearted amen. And that's where we have to end for today. If you have any questions or comments or feedback about today's episode, please feel free to leave them on the podcasting site you've been listening to or on our webpage, Proverbs910Ministries.com. We hope you've enjoyed listening to us today. Join us next week as we take a look at Rebecca, 
our next woman in scripture. We hope you're enjoying this series so far. Have a blessed day.